Fiat Lux. Let there be light. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Fiat Lux. Let there be light. It is indeed an encouraging sign that when we wake up during this time of year, that indeed we notice each day that it is a little more light. It is not yet warmer, but it is indeed more lightsome. One thing at a time. The latter precedes the warmth in order that the light may shine and thereby the earth be warmed. Light comes first. And indeed, during this holy season of Lent, it is a beautiful consideration that as we adopt the words of St. John the Baptist, that he, that I may decrease in order that he might increase, that as we see that as we mortify our sinful passions during this holy season of Lent, that each day there is an outward sign of that light growing in us, the light of the world, Jesus Christ, alive in our souls through grace. And as we continue along these 40 days, may we continue to mortify ourselves, that like St. Paul tells us, that we die to ourselves in order that Christ might live. So indeed, fiat lux, let there be light. Did you ever stop to think that these words, let there be light, these are the first recorded words that we have from God Himself. In the very beginning, before the heavens and the earth were created, the eternal and triune God deigned to create. And He said, Fiat Lux, let there be light. And light was made. And the light shined in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. In today's sacred liturgy, there are two central themes that are beautifully intertwined to allow us to certainly meditate upon these mysteries, but also to call us to action. They are indeed the idea of light and the idea of words, of speech. St. Paul, of course, references light in his epistle very clearly, especially at the conclusion. And did you notice that in today's Holy Gospel, which Holy Mother Church most beautifully and wisely pairs with today's epistle and the other sacred texts from Holy Scripture, that in today's Gospel, our Lord Jesus Christ makes a dumb man to speak. A man whose tongue was unable to pronounce words by the finger of God was made to speak. These two are indeed beautifully connected, for is it not the eternal Word of God, the Son of the Father, who indeed 
image of the Father that spoke the words, let there be light. And light was made. That the power of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, would work through the Word. And that that Word has power. And that power is stronger than the devil. In today's Holy Gospel, as we read earlier in the season of Lent, Holy Mother Church makes it very clear to us that the devil exists, but that God is stronger. And in fact, God's light conquers the darkness. Where light is, darkness cannot be. The darkness flees from the light. And indeed, our Lord Jesus Christ brings the light of the world into the darkness in order that it can shine. And where it shines, may it be enkindled. This is where warmth now comes into play. Light indeed dispels the darkness, but we desire that that light be enkindled, that the fire of that light would grow and bring warmth to the world. It is not without providence that Holy Mother Church places this gospel at the midway point of Lent, when it is that perhaps through great zeal and determination, we've undertaken those mortifications and penances this first half of Lent, that indeed we see that what must grow in us now is the charity, the charity and the love of God and the love of our neighbor, in order that that light may now bring warmth. Let us heed the words of our Divine Savior in today's Holy Gospel. For that miracle that he performs was indeed by casting out demons. Those demons that our Lord says, some of which are only confronted and overcome by prayer and fasting. And let us never forget that third element of a good Lent, almsgiving. That indeed this demon is cast out, but nature knows no void. And we must be very careful in this second half of Lent that if we make all of those good efforts to sweep out all of the clutter in our souls, that we do not allow this last part of Lent to simply remain void and empty of charity. For as we read in the Gospel, when it is that a demon is cast out, it goes about wandering and finds no rest. And when it notices that that soul, whence it came, is still empty, but now cleaned and swept, that he desires to settle back in to that soul, and not alone, but with seven more demons even worse than himself. My friends, in this halfway point of Lent, 
we must be very conscientious that whatever physical mortifications we have undertaken, that we do not allow the sin of pride to now fill our souls. And indeed, that sin of pride is but the first of the seven deadly sins. Those seven deadly sins, which indeed can find a new home, swept and even decorated for Easter. And so, as we do make progress this Lent, to try and detach ourselves from all of those earthly things that take us away from our Creator, giving more credence and time and attention to creatures than the very God who created them and offered them to us to use to sanctify us. You were created in the image and likeness of God, the image and likeness of the Most Holy Trinity. For indeed, we adore one God in three persons, and three persons in one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And indeed, did you know that in your own soul, in your own soul, your one unique soul, there are three powers, or three faculties. One soul, yet three faculties. Your intellect, your will, and your memory. In God creating you in His image and likeness, He desires you as He desires me to know Him, to love Him, and to serve Him in order that we may be with Him forever in the glories of heaven, that ineffable and eternal light that shines and warms hearts in the charity of God. He gave you as He gave me the power of the soul, the intellect to know Him, the will to love Him, and the memory to serve Him. Did you also know that memory is an integral part of the moral virtue of prudence? That cardinal virtue that allows us to know how to act and how to act well in order to obtain our end. Indeed, memory is an important part of placing good actions. Why? because we need to learn from our mistakes. We indeed make them every day. But if we employ that power of our soul, the memory, to learn from them, to know how the devil tries to trip us up, oftentimes in the same way, that we learn from those mistakes and we're able to take them humbly to our Lord in order that we may profit even from our falls. But also, and not to be overlooked, to learn from our successes and to not seek a new way of combating those temptations. For indeed, by our own experience, as well as taking those lessons from the lives of the saints, that from time immemorial, the same means have been effective in overcoming temptations. And not to think that we need to reinvent how it is 
that God can be victorious in the battlefield of our souls, but rather employ his tactics in order to dispel that army of darkness. We learn from our memory, or rather you might say our memory helps us learn from the past. These three powers of our soul indeed allow us to get closer to God, to know Him, to learn our catechism, in order that we may know more fully that God, who is love, that compels our will now to love Him all the more, under the influence of grace, and also learning from our mistakes. You and I were created in the image of the triune God. And in the very beginning, when it was that he created, he created man in his image and likeness. Male and female, he created them. You undoubtedly have seen the beautiful images of the Sistine Chapel, the masterpiece of the brush of Michelangelo. And amongst all of those frescoes, there is one in particular that I wish to present to your imaginations today to guard in your memory that it may serve you in knowing how much God loves you. There at the creation of Adam, we see the Father, we see Almighty God with his finger. And the finger of God reaches out to give Adam life. And Adam, with eyes full of love and wonder and the goodness of God, with eyes like we read in the introit of today's Holy Mass that are ever towards the Lord, he receives that gift of life. Opened his heart is to receive that life that comes from God. And if you've noticed, behind the image of God there creating with the angels is a form that is made from the folds of his majestic robe. And did you know that that form that is created is likened to the silhouette of the human brain? There behind God is a mind an eternal and radiant mind that now creates man in his image and likeness. You and I were created to know God and to know God's mind and to contemplate the mysteries of his love. And indeed we are called into that mind not to remain mute and dumb, but to praise that mind, to praise the goodness of God all of the days of our life and unto eternity. That the light that we receive through grace, that light that is life, that that light may indeed cultivate warmth in our hearts to serve God and to love Him and to be one with Him in His holy will that indeed in this veil of tears we may persevere through all of the sufferings that life may bring to us, that God in his permissive will 
and according to His providence, allows to befall upon each of us every day. Our reception of those sufferings, indeed, can be a great penance for us to offer up these last weeks of Lent. That which we do not impose with our own will, but that we receive by the will of God. There, we have great progress to make in order that we indeed would dispel that demon of pride that we would humbly acknowledge and receive what God's gift to us is at every moment. Let there indeed be light in your souls and in mine, and may that light shine in the darkness. I leave you with one thought, one consoling thought for a priest's heart. The finger of God, as St. Gregory the Great allows us to understand, the finger of God has always been understood to be the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Most Holy Trinity, by whom God creates. And indeed, God in the very beginning, as we see from Michelangelo's masterpiece created by the finger of God, the power of the Holy Ghost, the same power that dispelled that demon in today's gospel. And God reached out and touched his creation and gave him life. Every day at Holy Mass, the priest takes his consecrated hands and in his unworthy fingers that have been ordained to give life. He takes what you bring to the altar, that singular host of bread that you bring, that represents your personal sacrifices. For is it not that a grain of wheat, when it remains alone, remains lonely? And when it is harvested, when it's sacrificed, and it is pulverized, it is drowned with water in the waters of baptism. It is then kneaded in penance. It is then cast in the kiln in the furnace and burnt by fire, baked in the hearth of the heart of God. Then becomes one host one offering laid upon the altar, and the priest takes that in his fingers. And the same God who gave life to man, that unworthy man now gives life to God. The priest brings us the light of the world in the flesh that Jesus Christ, his body, blood, soul, and divinity is there present in the Eucharist. That light of the world that dispels the darkness of our souls, and when we receive him in our hearts, that indeed that light may give life. Let there be light. Let there be life. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.